Moncrief with Energlaze on News Talk. Jonathan de Burke Butler joins us uh, once again to bring us some stories from other parts of the world. Afternoon, Jonathan. Sean, how are you getting? Uh, right, Italy we're going to go to uh, uh, first and I don't know, this is weird, plus also maybe not that surprising. Or am, am I stereotyping not, no, no, Italians to a certain no, extent no, here? No, you, no, you've, you've just done me out of my last few lines <laughs> yeah. uh, of this particular story. Uh, it's It certainly wouldn't be that much of a stereotype. Anyway, the, it, the story stems from a case uh, that started in April of 2022 uh, when a 17-year-old schoolgirl made a complaint uh, after being groped by a caretaker. She was. Her story goes that she was walking up a staircase and her trousers had fallen down from her waist and as she was pulling them up, she felt two hands on her backside and then her underpants being pulled up okay, behind her. And when okay. she turned around to challenge the person who had done this, who, of course, she didn't know at the time, uh, he said... I was only joking. And it turned out to be this man, Antonio Avila, a 66-year-old who went on trial for charges of sexual assault. Prosecutors were looking to send him to prison for three years. All Mm. right. So they certainly took it very seriously. This man doesn't seem to have taken it seriously at all. Right. He said he admitted that he, he performed the act, but he said all along that it was a joke. Amazingly, the judge seems to have agreed with him. Right. And the judge came back and said, look, that the uh, grope itself lasted between five and ten seconds and therefore was too fleeting to be considered a crime. Okay, now you can imagine that the response to that uh, from some quarters in Italian society has been uh, fairly large and quite angry. Uh, Mm. So a lot of people have taken to social media and there's these two hashtags now trending, which palpata breve, which means brief grope, and then dieci secondi, which means ten seconds. And it's people taken to TikTok and Instagram and they're doing videos for 10 seconds and they're basically either groping themselves or getting people to grope them to show people how long 10 seconds actually is. And yeah. that it is extremely unpleasant to be groped for that length of time. Uh, and so um, it seems to have hit a nerve with people. And as you said, um, you know, are you, you were talking at the beginning about a stereotype in Italian society. As you know, I lived there for a long time. Yeah. I spent most of my 20s there and I knew... Uh, a fair few women who were foreigners there and they constantly complained about the groping, particularly on buses and trains and, and uh, you know, t- tight areas. And yeah. uh, it it was a problem back then. Um, so what's good about this is the fact that Italian, this Italian woman, she was a girl at the time, has drawn attention to this particular phenomenon. And yeah. uh, But what will come of it, I don't know. Uh this particular judge or judges in general in, in Italy, do they have any form in, in, in this regard and that perhaps not taking these kind of crimes very seriously? There, there, there was a case in Ancona, I think, back in 2017 where two men were cleared of rape because uh, the judge said that the victim looked too masculine to be a target of attraction, um, which is an extraordinary That's thing. the Donald Trump defence. Yeah. So, yeah. It's 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 not taken particularly seriously, but perhaps this social media reaction to might, uh, might change, change that. Uh, right, uh, Iran. We're going to go to next, and uh, uh, the infamous morality police are, are back on the street. Had they disappeared for a while? They had. They were taken away for ten months. Um, now you remember, ten months ago was when that poor woman, uh, young woman, Masha Amini, was who who's occurred from northern Iraq, as far mm. as I remember, and she was on a visit. I think she was a tourist in Tehran when these morality police, the Gashtad Ershad as they're called, 
group of them came over and said that she wasn't wearing her hijab properly and they, they threw her into the back of the van. And while she was in detention, uh, they beat her beat her up very badly. Uh, she was sent to hospital and she died three days later. Mm. And, and you know... Oh. Not that we actually covered it actually on this particular stuff because widely it was reported. well covered on yeah. the, uh, uh, widely reported in in the media that there was months and weeks and months of of riots and protests off the back of it and uh, women in Iran or many women in Iran basically started to refuse uh, to wear the, the the hijab they were taking yeah. it off and burning it and throwing it away so the Morality police were stood down for 10 months and in the interim, the way that they tried to deal with imposing the laws, the the way the government tried to deal with imposing the laws was by A, setting up surveillance cameras, which didn't really work. And then they would, you know, close down businesses that didn't, uh, you know, didn't apply the the laws in their shop and this kind of thing. Mm. But the, the, the protest still went on. As you know, lots of people have been arrested. Seven protesters have been executed on trumped up charges. Um. But they have decided to bring them back. And it, there's there's possibly two reasons for that. One, because the other ways of trying to throw people in jail isn't working. And two, because there are vigilantes, let's call them vigilantes, who are, of course, supporters of these rules, who are going around trying to impose these rules on people who are disobeying them, if you get me. Yeah. So now they're caught between a rock and a hard place and they're saying, OK, well, we, we better bring these morality police back because things are out of control. Now, what's the response going to be? Most people have said that it's unlikely that it's going to have any effect. And indeed, just before I came in, I was looking up to see had there been any protests, any arrests. And in the north of the country, in a city called Rasht, they tried to arrest three women on Sunday night for not wearing hijab. Members of the public intervened and freed the three women. And then there were protests in the city later that night. So what could in fact happen is that those protests could ramp up again. So it's it's a case of watch this space, I think, to see what happens. Oh, my God. So it's the, I suppose essentially they brought them back as the lesser of two evils. But that, I think that's you know, what it is. Uh, from their point of view, at least. And the, 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 these trials and, and uh, or the, these uh, protests, uh, which were very widespread, have mm. they largely died down they, at the moment? They had died down, I think, for, for a little bit, or at least they haven't been covered as much by the media. Mm. Um, uh but I, but I think that perhaps in the coming week or two weeks, as these morality police come back onto the streets and try to do their thing, that we could see an increase in them again. Yeah. And, and they might lead to some sort of a conclusion this time around. You never know. Yeah. Right. Uh, the Philippines we're going to go to uh, next. And uh, th- this is another row about the Barbie movie because uh, is it, it's banned in Vietnam, I think. Or, or, You're right. Or, yeah. yeah, it was banned in Vietnam last week. And off the back of that, the, Philipp- the, the censors in the Philippines said, well, we better have a look at this as well. Right now, they were encouraged to do so by a Philippine senator named Francis Tolentino, who had criticised the film for what he called violating Filipino fisher folks' rights. And what he was referring to specifically was what's called the Nine Dash Line. You know the Nine Dash Line? Yeah. It's this thing that was created in 1946, 1947, where basically China claims most of the South China Sea and the rest of the countries around there are saying, well, hold on there a minute, right? Because there's $5 trillion worth of trade going through there, lots of fishing and oil in them there hills, as you like to say, Mm. Uh, even though it's in the sea, obviously. (laughs) But um, in this Barbie movie, there is apparently a scene where there's a map, right? And it's a map of the world and there's lines on it. Now, those lines apparently depict 
Barbie's, I can't believe I'm actually saying this, but Barbie's trip from Barbie land to the real world. And that's yeah. what it's supposed to d- d- depict. Yes. But some people have interpreted this as being the nine dash line in Asia. Oh, I see. So it's not actually necessarily <laughs> proven to be this, that particular contentious map. Uh, no, 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 not at all. So, so, <laughs> so it's, 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 it's the map in the Barbie film. That's, yeah. that's the problem. And it's basically what the film censors have decided now, the classification board in the Philippines have decided. They said, okay, we've looked at this. And in fact, we've looked at it twice. We've consulted our foreign affairs officials, our legal experts, and we're happy that there is no nine so-called nine-dash line there at the moment. So what we're going to do is we're going to ask Warner Brothers, who I think are the distributors, to blur the map slightly so people don't get upset, but we're going to allow the Barbie uh, movie to be to be aired or to be uh, to be shown sorry to be screened yeah now yeah now the philippines uh, sorry yeah, the philippines is one of those countries that obviously has a dispute with china yeah. but but like did the did the philippine public like the ordinary punter going to see barbie are they going to start trashing the joint if they see the <laughs> It's, uh, I, it wouldn't. Do you know what? It wouldn't surprise me. I, you yeah. never know. Any excuse these days, to be honest with you. Now, I should say that the the classification board were at pains to point out, and I find this, you know, quite amazing as well, that they had banned films in the past that did show the nine dash line. There ah. was a film Abominable in 2019 and Uncharted in 2022, and so they're trying to say, look, we took this very seriously. We looked at it twice. Uh, and we have done this before where we've banned movies that, you know, either have it or portray it in some fashion. So we do take this very seriously. And obviously they do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But in this case, you know, it's just a bit of a reach. Yeah. So let, no, let Barbie but, but I think Abominable, though, because it's an... If I'm, I've never seen it, I have I to say. I think I'm so. open to correction here, but it's a kid's film. It's animated, but it is set in China. Okay. And there is a, there is a scene where they show a map of, of a route they have to go where, curiously enough, Nepal just doesn't exist on right. this map. Okay. Um, so and there would have been Chinese money in the, in that okay. film as well. I don't know if, if there's Chinese money in Barbie. Um, that would be interesting no to discover uh, <laughs> whether there, uh, there would be or not. But that's so weird that in two countries are getting in trouble with this. Uh, right, uh, so back to something perhaps a bit more serious. Uh, Thailand, we're going to go to next. And uh, so, how can you win an election but not be allowed to become prime minister then? Because the military junta that was in place before you set the constitution up in such a fashion as to make that happen. And, yeah. and that's a very good question to open with, actually. Um, and I'll start with that, actually. There's 750 members of parliament in Thailand, OK? 500 in the National Assembly and 250 in the Senate. The 500 in the National Assembly are elected. The 250 in the Senate were appointed by the military junta and they're still in there, right? Back in May... The Move Forward Party, led by Peter Lim Jaron Rat, okay, young guy, millionaire, won the election. They won it hands down. They actually won 300, well, their coalition, I should say, of eight parties won, won 312 seats as okay. opposed to 188 in the lower house, okay? So what he needed last Thursday was 375 votes to become prime minister, and he didn't get them. He fell 50 short, if that makes sense. And that yeah. was because... It's based on votes from both the National Assembly and the Senate. So even though he got the 312 in the National Assembly, he didn't make up the 375 because only 13 people in the Senate voted for him. And I think he was quite surprised by that. Okay. So on Saturday, he said he would withdraw his candidacy to become Prime Minister if Parliament didn't endorse him this week. So there's another vote happening tomorrow, in fact. Uh, same day Barbie comes out in the Philippines. <laughs> Big day in the world news. So um, that's going to happen tomorrow. 
unlikely that he's going to get through. So what this means is that it'll be passed over to another of his coalition partners uh, to become prime minister. Um, but it's terrible. And, and I, I do remember that when these elections came through back in May, we sort of flagged this, that this guy had won the election hands mm. down, but that there was a good chance he wasn't going to be elected prime minister. And this is this is how it's happening. And in the Senate, him failing to, to, to garner much in his support... Mm. Why is that? And who would those people be? In? I mean, because if, you know, somebody else from the coalition might get more support. In yeah, that. indeed. That's a good question. Right. So the, the people that were put in there were put in there by the by the former military junta, but they yeah. do have a legitimate problem with them. Right. And that is part uh, central policy of this move forward party is to get rid of these famous les majeste rules. This is, you know, the laws against slagging off the monarchy. Yes, you, get yeah. to, you can go to prison for up to 15 years in Thailand if yeah. you... If you say a bad word against the monarchy or write cartoons or publish anything about them. And that has been used increasingly over the last nine or 10 years while the military junta have been in place. So part of their their campaign, the Move Forward Party's campaign, was to ease these laws or reform them. Yeah. There would be a lot of people in the Senate who just won't go entertain that at all. Uh, they won't go okay. near it, right? So that's the first part. Second part is that um, the Constitutional Court has agreed to hear a case alleging that Move Forward Party's position on those defamation laws is tantamount to planning to throw overthrow the constitutional government. Oh, my word. So that's one thing. And then there's another personal case being brought against the leader, Peter Lamjoran, uh, La, sorry, Lim Joran Rat, sorry is his name, um, because he is the owner, apparently, of a media organisation, that actually closed down in 2007, but under the rules, election rules there, you're not allowed to be the owner of a media organisation to mm. run for election. So they're looking at getting rid of him and his personality, let's say, um, So in order. So they, they won't let him become PM and then they'll try and get rid of him. So you could say that both those cases are very much politically motivated. Okay, okay, right. We'll keep an eye on that one. Uh, right, Ethiopia we're going to go to uh, uh, next, and uh, where there's a schism in the church. And this is not the first time. There's no. been quite a few schisms. Yeah, the, earlier in, back in February, we actually reported on one that was uh, that came from the south of the country, Oromia, um, and that was a dispute over the, the, the lack of the native language uh, being used in, in various different... Um, sermons there and the like. But this one is from the north of the country and it's more directly related to the recent civil war that took place in Tigray. So during that two-year civil war, um, the Holy Synod of the Ethiopian Orthodox Church didn't condemn the violence. And the people up in Tigray, the bishops, the priests and the followers uh, of the church weren't happy about that. So now earlier this year, they came out in March and they said, look, we're not happy about the fact that you didn't condemn the violence and that you seem to really endorse what the central Ethiopian government were doing. So we're going to break away from you. And they picked a date, which was last Sunday, the 16th of July, to uh, anoint basically their own 10 bishops in that particular state. And um, the central Ethiopian Orthodox Church have been pleading with them not to do so, but it looks like uh, they might have gone ahead and done it. Now, I, I haven't been able to confirm if that if those bishops were appointed on the 16th, uh, but I haven't seen them... I haven't seen reports of it not happening, happening if you like. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, and so essentially now, the, so there was one e um, Orthodox church in yeah. Ethiopia. Now there's three of them. Is that well, pretty much what we're looking the at? The problem with Oromia was resolved. It okay. Got very, very, it got very bad there. There was actually protests and deaths and, and various different things and then it calmed down. So that was resolved 
uh, I think the bishops that were excommunicated in that case were brought back in and there was a deal done of some of some fashion. I think something similar might happen here um, mm. in the long term. But I think more than anything, the thing about Ethiopia and things like this in Ethiopia, that something like this reflects the lack of unity within the country. As a whole. Anyway. As a whole, which yeah. is constantly happening. You know, it's yeah. ongoing. It's an impossible country in many respects to to unify. Yeah. Right. So what should we look out for in the coming week? Yeah, in the coming week, it's World Chess Day on uh, Thursday, the okay. 20th. Uh, so something to celebrate there. And um, then there's these elections in Spain that have mm. been going on about. But these are happening on Sunday. Uh, and the socialists look like they're going to take a hammering here. And the Conservative uh, People's Party are going to come back and, and do well in that. There's talk of the far right doing yeah. OK in it as yeah. well. But the opinion polls don't seem to suggest that. There's some suggestion that they might even lose some seats, but we'll see what happens there. But they might end up being the kingmakers along with the Conservative People's Party. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see um, what happens. And then on the same day, uh, slightly less democratic elections, I would imagine, uh, will be taking place in Cambodia. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure there's even an opposition running this time. There was two opposition parties back in 2018 uh, but they have since uh, left politics, shall we say. <laughs> and uh, it looks like Hun Sen is going to be back in power for the next four or five years. He's been there since, what, 1985, I think? Yeah. Something ridiculous. There anyway. you go. There you go. Uh, a cuddly autocrats. Jonathan, <laughs> thanks a million, as ever. Moncrief, weekdays at 2 p.m. With Anna Glaze on News Talk.